Hey, hey, everybody. This is Sophia Nelson, your host of the One America podcast. Today is January 16th, 2023, and we're talking about Dr. Martin Luther King's dream. And I'm going to talk a little bit about what I think his legacy is, what I think we ought to be doing in our time to preserve that legacy and move it forward. But really just to have a monologue with you about whether or not the dream has come to pass or do we still have work to do? And I think the answer is, of course, we still have work to do. And um, one of the things that I hate that people do on this day is they reduce Dr. King to the August 1963 I Have a Dream speech. And that is an amazing speech. And it was the apex, certainly, of of his uh, gifts in terms of oratory and speaking and commanding a crowd like that on the mall peaceful in 1963. But he's so much more than that. And that speech is so much more than just the line that everybody likes to take out of context, frankly, and quote it to use it to their own ends. Don't do that today. Watch the movie Selma with your kids, your family. Sit down, talk about it. Do some service today. And really dig into who Dr. Martin Luther King was. Let's talk about it. And um, with a little bit of luck, we're going to have on Dr. King's daughter, Dr. Bernice King, uh, next month in Black History Month. Of course, she was the cover quote for the book E Pluribus One, Reclaiming Our Founders' Vision for a United America, and my sorority sister and a dear friend. Um, so let's keep our fingers crossed that I will be able to get her on, and we're going to have a dialogue with her, and uh, we'll start having guests on uh, starting Black History Month. Let's go. Good morning and happy Martin Luther King Day 2023. It is January the 16th, which is the official federal holiday of Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday. I'm old enough to remember when, before 1983, when President Reagan signed the bill into law, which had been being submitted uh, for consideration by the Congress by former Congressman John Conyers of Michigan and Charlie Rango of New York since the late 60s after Dr. King was assassinated. But I'm old enough to remember when my parents would have to write a note to my teachers or to the principal if they wanted me to have the day off in honor of Dr. King's birthday before it became a federal holiday. And most schools would honor that. But I was in high school when this bill became law and Ronald Reagan signed it with Coretta Scott King by his side and many others. So this day is... Uh, particularly special in our family. Actually, yesterday was the actual birthday of Dr. King. Um, He would have been 94 years old, and my maternal grandmother, who is still with us, turned 93 yesterday, and I tweeted a picture of her and posted on my Facebook. She's still beautiful. She looks maybe 65, 70. I've got good genes. I'm blessed. But I wanted to uh, just do a special, short but special kind of remembrance of Dr. King today. And um, I wanted to have us really just sit for a moment and reflect. This is certainly a holiday of remembrance. It's definitely a holiday of service. The King family being very clear that they want people to serve on this day, to serve communities, to serve the poor, to serve the marginalized, to serve the hopeless. Uh, to serve those in despair, as we should all do, not just on one day a year, but we should do it literally every weekend. We should teach our kids. We should 
find small ways to give in our community. My big thing, I'm involved with the um, food bank ministry at my church. That's my big thing. I love to be involved with that. I love to pack things, to feed people, to be engaged. Um, Also, the women's uh, abuse shelter here in Loudoun County, Virginia is something that all of us work with. So choose a charity in your local community and start a practice with your kids, folks, every Martin Luther King Day. And watch the movie Selma by my sorority sister, Ava DuVernay, and, and watch that with your family and then discuss it. And then do some kind of service. It is a great way to teach your kids how to engage in their community, how to serve others. And I think that we do Dr. King a disservice um, in that the only quote we ever quote him of, of course, is the famous I Have a Dream speech, uh, which was on the mall by the Lincoln Memorial in 1963, the summer of 1963, August specifically of 1963. And and there's so much more to Dr. King beyond the dream. The dream was amazing. And the dream in many ways has come to pass. We have had a black president. We have a black vice president. We have a black female Supreme Court justice and a black male Supreme Court justice. We have one or two black CEOs of the Fortune 500. We have black professors, scientists, doctors, engineers, attorneys like myself, senators. Uh, We have two black men senators in the United States Senate. We have uh, one African-American governor who will take office, in fact, tomorrow uh, Wes Moore, and he will be sworn in using Frederick Douglass's Bible. How awesome is that? So yes, we've made progress and we've made enormous progress, but we have a lot of work to do. And I, I was going through the quotes that, um, I really love from Dr. King. And, and of course my favorite is, is, uh, from a letter that he wrote or a sermon from strength to love. Uh, that he gave again in 1963. What a year of consequence. And he says, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And we're in a place, we're in a place right now in this country, uh, in America, and in, indeed, I could say globally, because you see the uprisings in Brazil, you see what's happening in China and Russia's naked, aggressive assault on the people of Ukraine without consequence, frankly, from the Western world. And that disturbs me. Yeah, we've sanctioned. Yeah, we've given aid and comfort to the Ukrainians, but we should have stepped in. That's what a President Nelson would have done. But that's another conversation for another day. I think that When we think about where we are, of all Dr. King's great words, this one sticks with me because there's a lot of darkness right now. There's a lot of hate right now. There's a lot of anger right now and a lot of division. And the only way we're going to fix that is through compassion, kindness, faith, and love. And I fear that we're not teaching our kids about those critical, timeless virtues that have been with us since the beginning and that I pray will endure, but I fear that they are becoming extinct because I fear that we are very tribal. We have become more polarized, not less, uh, with all the advantages of social media and and technology. Uh, We are struggling 
with how we talk to each other, with what is even true. We basically fight now over whether it's really day outside or if it's night. There's so much misinformation and disinformation about simple things like vaccines that when I was growing up, you just took your damn vaccines. You didn't argue about it. You just took the vaccine and you moved on with your life. Everything's an argument now. Everything's a fight. So listen, uh, the topic of today uh, is the question of how far have we come from Dr. King's dream till now? And I think I made the case that we've come a long way. But I would argue that we have a long way to go when in the year 2023, voting rights have been not just whittled down and minimized over the last 10 to 15 years for sure, but they're under assault. There was never a time when a Republican president or a Democrat president would not sign the Voting Rights Act extension. It was George Walker Bush was the last president to do that, ironically. And he's a Republican, a pretty conservative one. But there was never an argument about would he sign the voting rights extension or whether or not the Senate and the House would pass it. Of course, they would now. That's an issue. Are you kidding me? These fights over critical race theory that simply is not being taught to children anywhere. Critical race theory is a law school course. It is at least an undergraduate elective that you can take as an African-American studies major or minor, as I did, uh, I'm old enough to remember when Derek Bell first introduced the concept along with others. If you're talking about issues of history and how we teach history in its fullness, of course we ought to teach about 1619 and slavery and the cruelty and the horrors of slavery. Should we teach white children to hate themselves or to, to think they're evil or that they're white people are evil? Of course not. Likewise, I was one of the people that didn't know that we should take down Confederate monuments. I think we should have definitely removed the ones like in Richmond on Monument Drive that were so huge and paid such homage to men who were treasonous to the Union. But I'm one of those people that believe we don't run from our history. We don't hide from history. And we are a people who are tough enough and strong enough to look at our beginnings and say, 1776 was an amazing declaration of independence in the world. Thomas Jefferson, eloquent, gifted, a leader, all of 33 years old, writing words that hundreds of years later still resonate with people all throughout the world. And at the same time, we ought to be able to look at Jefferson, who, by the way, is one of my favorite presidents, and look at Jefferson, and we ought to be able to say that Thomas Jefferson was also a good man who did really bad things. Thomas Jefferson owned slaves. Thomas Jefferson had a concubine named Sally Hemings, who at the time he first engaged with her in sexual acts, she was all of 15 and he was 40. Just think about that for a moment. In Paris. And then she came home pregnant. And she gave him four living children, and six births, they believe. Go to Monticello. They do an amazing job talking about enslavement and enslaved people. They don't run from it. So I'm saying it doesn't have to be either or, folks. It can be both and. We don't have to hide from who we were. We can use it to become better. 
And I am deeply disappointed at the division and the outright lies and, and, and um, demagoguery and the tribalism of those who say that white people are under assault and that the schools are teaching our kids to hate themselves and their whiteness. That's just not true. Just because people are talking about an experience that's different than yours or sharing their lens does not mean that they hate you or dislike you at all. And we've got to do better with this. We've got to come to Jesus with this, come to truth with this and reckon with this, which is exactly what Dr. King was saying. Read the whole entire I Have a Dream speech. Read it. Watch it. Listen to the words. He talks about the promissory note that was given to all men in the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I know that from memory. All of us should. Eloquent, elegant, powerful words. But for people who look like me, I posted last night a photo of my maternal grandmother, who again, 93, the daughter of Grandma Perny, who was born in the late 1800s and whose mother and father was a slave and a slave owner. And Grandpa Henry, the slave owner's son, ran off with Grandma Viney. And after the Civil War, of course, they could not be married in the South. They moved west, ultimately to California, having 13 children, of which Grandma Perney was one. And that slavery lineage, that slave master lineage runs right through my bloodline. So when I talk about this, it's real to me. It's not theory. It's not something I picked up in books. It's in my blood tree. And when I posted the picture of my grandmother yesterday, people were commenting again, and it was nobody, I I think, meant this in any pejorative way, but they were saying how, first of all, how fair she was and they asked me was she a white woman she's not but she could pass for one and then they noticed the reddish blonde hair well that's in the gene pool and it's in all of our gene pools and to my white brothers and sisters I say how naive of you to think that you don't have some black running around in your gene pool if I have white in mine you don't think you have black in yours or native American in yours or or some other kind of lineage in yours because human beings Fall in love, regardless of their color, their race, their creed. Human beings intermingle with other human beings. And if we can just get back to that, that humanity part of us, which is what Dr. King was talking about, that brotherhood of men, that solidarity, not that we're always going to like each other or always agree, that's not America, but that promissory note to Thomas Jefferson talked about that all men are created equal. There was a promise there of life, liberty, and happiness. And black people were denied that for hundreds of years, legally so, enshrined in our documents from the Constitution with three-fifths of a person counting, and that would have been a slave to vote and for tax purposes, right? And going forward to the Supreme Court and Plessy and other Dred Scott and other horrible decisions, saying that, Black men had no rights that a white man should respect. I know this stuff cold because I'm a lawyer. I studied it. I write about it. Here's what I'm saying. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. 
Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. That is the essence of Martin Luther King in this day. Dr. King's peaceful protest and leading the good people of the South and Montgomery and Selma and other places who put their lives at risk. Many lost their lives. Majority black, but there were white people like Viola Uza and others who lost their lives to support the civil rights movement. They saw the wrong and they wanted to make it right. They saw the evil and they wanted to stamp it out with love and with light and with goodness. We can do that in this generation too. But we're going to have to step up. And I think if Dr. King were here today, he'd say, yes, parts of my dream came true in just 55 years, my age. A lot of what we hoped happened. But he would also be horrified by black men still being tasered and beat to death by police officers for routine traffic stops or when they actually flag down the police for help because they're having a a, a physical episode or an epileptic seizure or whatever it is. I think they would be I think Dr. King would be horrified by uh, the poverty still and the racial segregation still, particularly in the South, but in other parts of the country. The disparity in educational opportunities and benefits of which now are in danger once again if the Supreme Court decides, as I think they will, to overturn affirmative action. And I think that we made a lot of progress, but in many ways we're going backwards. So on this Dr. Martin Luther King Day 2023, I want to encourage you to be light. I want to encourage you to be love. I want to encourage you to stand in the arena to speak your peace and let others do the same and then break bread at the table of brotherhood. Respect others' viewpoints as they respect yours. Stand for what you believe in and allow others to do the same. E pluribus unum, out of many, we are one. We have work to do and we've done a lot of good work. But I feel those of us at this time are lazy and we're sitting on our butts And particularly my generation, Gen X, we've kind of done nothing and we need to do better. Um, The young people, the millennials, the Y and the Z's, Black Lives Matter movement, the marches, they literally changed the world after George Floyd's death. Literally. So let's remember Dr. King in his fullness today and not just one line from a famous speech. He's so much more than that. America is so much more than that. God bless you and keep you on this day. May God bless the United States of America. Thank you.